Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Man, I almost forgot how to do this. I was um, like connecting my microphone and getting my nose together and almost forgot to switch my mic on. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> I know, man. We're we're rusty. Yeah, for real. It's been a it's been a wild month. Um, the the last time we were set to record uh, was in the ER with my wife. All all is well now, but basically, um, kind of a, like a freak not a freak accident, but like a crazy coincidence that um, we originally went into the ER like that Saturday night. Um, because she had a lot of neck pain and they found that she had a artery dissection, which is basically like an exterior tear in an artery in her neck. But really it was just like, Oh, take some aspirin, blood thinner, go home tell us if they, you know, if you feel something worse, went home the next day when they kind of didn't explain some symptoms she was having. There was like, she was like, Oh, well, why is my tongue numb? And why is my face twitching? And why does my ear hurt really bad? And they were like, oh, we don't know. <laughs> Just tell us if you if something changes. And something did because that Monday, the Monday we were set to record, we woke up and uh, basically the right side of her, pace, of her face was like paralyzed, essentially. Uh, she was like blinking at two different speeds and couldn't smile. And her tongue was completely numb. And uh, as soon as we went to the ER, they were like, oh yeah, Bell's palsy. Like we know right away. Um, which the TLDR is like, it's kind of crazy. It's, it's actually a viral infection that attacks the nerve in your neck, which is ironically right next to the artery that she had a dissection in that controls the muscles in your face. And, uh, it's a temporary thing. Your body basically builds like immu- an immunity to it and then like has to rebuild kind of the neural, uh, and nervous system connections to your muscles and stuff like that. And she's already seeing a lot of progress, but that kind of threw us for a loop <laughs> for about a week. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's the reason why we haven't, we didn't record the last time. Oh man. Yeah. That's, that's super scary. When, when you first told me about it, you know, obviously just concerned for her and, and for you guys and glad to hear that she's starting to recover a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse too. Like of the things that we were just Googling, like on the way to the ER, it was like, you know, stroke, uh, multiple sclerosis, um, Lyme disease and like balls, balls palsy is like the least worst option. Um, so yeah, definitely they're very thankful for that. And she's taking like a trooper. Um, she was back to work a couple of days later and she's oh, been wow. like a couple of meds to kind of help. But I told her, I was like, I don't know how you're doing this because I would just be like in my bedroom for about three months until everything's <laughs> back to normal. Yeah, but she's like, oh, people are gonna think it's so funny, and like, I don't care. It's just not a big deal, and so, yeah, she's back to normal. Oh, wow, props to her. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, lots, lots of other things have happened in the meantime. October was like a busy month. Um, and uh, yeah. Anyways, we can dive into it. But uh, how you been? Yeah, I've been pretty good. It's. Uh it always amazes me how when you get really busy with work, it seems like something can tends to go off the rails with like your personal life or, or gets mm. challenging. And <laughs> yeah. I know you had a extremely busy October on both fronts. So 
Um, you know, for me, it's been, it's kind of less so at the beginning of the month. And then, uh, last two weeks have been super busy with, uh, getting prepared for Webflow conference and uh, yeah. a few things related to that, which, which I'll get into, but yeah, of course, also part of, partly my fault, partly saving things to the last minute. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's all good. It's just in time work. It's, uh, that's it's right. not being, That's it's right. not procrastinating. It's just in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I think the, the last time, uh, we had caught up, I was talking about prepping for the swipe files summit, SAS marketing summit and the state of SAS marketing report. And, um, so both of those have passed now. That was also like a crazy time. This was basically like right before, thank God. Well, yeah, the time would have been crazy if basically it was like a week earlier because, mm-hmm. um, but before that, you know, I would have had to like maybe potentially cancel or reschedule the summit and delay the report and all that. But, um, it went really, really well. Uh, I had 500 and something RSVPs, about 260 showed up live with a max of like 120 concurrently live at one point. Um, the chat That's was huge. super fun. There was lots of great questions, no technical issues got a lot of really good reception from like all the round tables and, um, everyone kind of chit chatting and moderation went pretty well. I feel like it was, it was fairly smooth. Got some good feedback on that front. Um, the real like pressure and stressful thing was getting the report done in time for mm. my last session of the SAS marketing summit. Um, and basically just doing like all the data analysis charts and graphs, creating the page and Webflow, and then like, you know, hitting publish, you know, doing all the like final details and stuff that always comes up. But, uh, yeah, got it all done in time. Um, I like the report came out really, really well. And also just, it'll be drastically easier next year. Um, now they have like the template and the system for, for creating it. But, um, yeah, I feel like it went better than expected. Um, which, which awesome. is great. Yeah. I loved browsing through the report and, uh, you know, seeing all the insights you, you came up with and s- super interesting and you, I thought it was laid out really well. So yeah, you did an awesome job there. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. Had my friend, uh, Nick Loudon, give him a shout out. He's, uh, one of my good friends from high school and he's getting into Webflow design. And so this is like his first project and, uh, oh, nice. I think he did a really good job with it. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And this little starter project for him. Um, a little bit more complicated to do than you would think just in, kind of like layout design questions, grouping, um, you know, integrating like the text with the graphics and dealing with all that stuff in Webflow was actually a little bit tricky. Um, yeah. so it was a good challenge for him. That's cool. Yeah. Did you, did you feel the pressure of the hard deadline, both for that and the, the summit itself? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the report. It just felt like, um, there was just so many things that kept coming up where I was like, Oh, we have to like reformat this data in Google sheets because the way that I asked it in the survey, like wasn't right. And like, now we see like a better way we could have asked it. So, you know, I would do things like there was a couple, which I should have really seen and had some, uh, you know, some foresight into it. But like, I would ask, do you use a marketing agency? Yes or no. If no, then there's nothing else. But if they clicked yes, then I would ask how many, when I should have just asked how many marketing agencies do you work with and then bucket it into like zero, one, two, three, four, 
five mm. plus or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd have to like go through all that work, put it into like a table, you know, group the questions, rematch it all into like all the survey responses and like a new, you know, copy. And I had to do that several times. Um, I had to clean up the data a bit. Uh, generating the reports or like the actual charts was a little bit tricky too, just because I thought it was going to be like a one click kind of thing. But because there were so many different like comparisons and because we were grouping them in a kind of a, a custom way, we had to like manually create each one of the charts um, with a lot more like, okay, here's the this axis and then that axis and then compare this data and format it this way and show the chart in this manner. And um, yeah, that stuff, like we were literally working like the Tuesday night to like midnight <laughs> up, you know, b- before the, the, the summit the next morning. Yeah. Who were you do- Was that all in like Google sheets or yeah. how, how did uh-huh. you create the charts? Yeah. Yeah. I'll Google sheets. Yeah. So I had to recruit my friend Drake, who's my, uh, Google sheets wizard go-to guy. <laughs> and, um, he helped me a ton. He spent like five hours for free. Just, well, I, I gave him a little token kind of <laughs> gift card, but, um, yeah, he spent a lot more time than I anticipated on it. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, the reason I asked is we had, uh, a few weeks ago, like one of the first hard deadlines I can remember having <laughs> in, a, in a real mm-hmm. long time, yeah. uh, which, which has made me Same. appreciate the, uh, I guess the, the lifestyle of, uh, running your business in, in the way that we do. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is what this feels like. This is, uh, <laughs> this is a lot of pressure and, and not great. And like you said, we're working mm-hmm. around the clock and worked a, a Saturday for, for most of the day for the first time in a while. And, oh dang. Uh, wow. Yeah. 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 yeah that, that was a very new experience. I haven't experienced that in, experienced that in a long time. Um, it was kind of fun a little bit just knowing like, Oh, it's going to be, we're going to be done after this, but Mm -hmm. man, it was stressful, um, leading up to, especially like the like weekend through Wednesday, like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I was like, Oh geez, this is all I can do right now. Yeah. Yep. Well, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And you said like, did anything else come out of the summit as far as just people were excited about it thinking about doing it again next year yeah definitely want to do it again next year um added about 400 people to the newsletter which is nice oh wow. um can't really track any like new members to it but um yeah definitely got like a nice little newsletter bump from that which uh too it's great i was looking at the last one the last episode we titled 10,000 subscribers Yesterday, I just passed 12,000. <laughs> so it's just been <laughs> growing like crazy. Um, I forget even like how, s- not slow, but it's weird. Like this feels like a little bit normal now, but it's like, this is not normal. This is only really recent. Mm. In the exponential growth curve. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at like the all-time chart and I just tweeted about it. So it was like this stark, like, okay, it's going kind of linear and then it's like, boop. And it's like hockey stick mode. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's weird. But yeah, overall big success. Um, really enjoyed it. Went well. Nice. Yeah. I will say the one thing I didn't realize what I was signing myself up for in being on video for five hours straight. <laughs> Ooh. 
that was really exhausting. Um, so next time I might do less sessions or like recruit another moderator, um, or just like space it out. I don't know. Spacing it out, it feels like kind of drags everything out. And then Mm -hmm. I'd almost rather just kind of do it like in a sprint and just get it, kind of get it all over with. Um, but yeah, something to be done about that because five hours straight was not, not very fun. So you moderated each session back to back to back five hours. No, yeah. no breaks. Couldn't get up out of your chair. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would like <laughs> literally run, you know, like the session would go late and there's good questions like sprint, use the bathroom, get water, come back, start the session like two minutes late. Oh man. Yeah. That's yeah. But it was four hours of that. And then 45 minutes of my own session of me walking through the report. Mm. And was that the last one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Dang. So it was like 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Just nonstop. Which once a year, not so bad. But, um, you know, I want to do it in a way where it's like sustainable and fun, where I look forward to it. And that's one of the things like, I don't know if I want to do that again. <laughs> Maybe I'll make it four hours. <laughs> yeah. Instead of five. I mean, like you said, though, at least the the prep for both the summit and the report would be much, much easier now that you have, you know, all, all the work you can reuse. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. A lot of good infrastructure, a lot of good process, just a way better understanding of like what it takes. Um, even doing things like, oh, yeah, I should probably have like a practice session where I invite the speakers in beforehand just to like test their audio and video and mm-hmm. like if I haven't met them on video before, like that's a good chance to kind of get some FaceTime with them. Stuff like that I was realizing like the week before and I was like, oh shoot, I got to schedule that like tomorrow. <laughs> and I just got to see, you know, just kind of make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. We, uh, it was, I guess it was last summer, uh, so 2021, I did, uh, there was a Webflow like virtual event and I was a speaker there. And that's exactly what they did. It was like a week or two before they had a call with everyone to test, yeah. you know, mic and audio. And then before, like 15 minutes before the session started, they wanted you to join um, sort of like a private room. Mm-hmm. Again, test mic and audio and, and then uh, and then go live. And, right, right. Yeah, it helped in that I was actually speaking at another marketing summit the day after. And so everything that they did, <laughs> I just copied and was like, Oh nice. Oh yeah, I should probably do that. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll, I'm going to do that too. Oh yeah. I should probably include that little detail, you know, or, Oh, I'm going to do a reminder to the speakers. And it just, you know, it was good to like match off of in real time. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If, if you haven't gone through it or haven't done it before you, you, it's so hard to think of those things ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So yeah, definitely glad to have that done with. And, um, <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah. Good memories. Nice. Cool. I mean, it's, it's to me, it's like so awesome. You can just decide to do this thing and get all the people together for it and create the survey and create the report and like build all of this value for everyone else out of nowhere. Like that's <laughs> the whole thing about, you know, building yeah. companies and, and doing these types of projects is like you if if you just put in the work and, and talk to the right people and, and get all this information and, and summarize it, it's it's like 
it's so much value that you just created out of nothing basically except except your work and others right yeah i was like yeah i want this to exist i think i'll do it all right we're doing it (laughs) pretty much (laughs) as simple as that yeah and was that tied into the i can't remember did you agree to do that last year for the sponsorships like Mm -hmm. ahead of time yeah yeah so that was part of the sponsorship deal yeah it's kind of like one of the big like caps to kind of the 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 sponsor deal and kind of rounding out the year or two and kind of ending with a splash um to kind of like you know now one of my items is talking about okay preparing for 2023 sponsors and so it's nice to like end the year like that with something that feels very outward facing and fun and engaging and visible um to then kind of roll into the next year but that was like you know i was like oh i think i want to do this yeah, maybe I'll pitch this as a one thing I can do as a partner with the sponsors. All right, people are into it. Now I have to go make it happen. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, definitely on the hook for it. That's awesome. I think it's a really nice value value add, really nice value prop for them. Um, they all got like speaking slots, shout outs through throughout the summit. Um, you know, their logos and sort of ads within each of the emails and the report kind of co-authoring the report. So there's a lot in there. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like one of the, one of the clearest, like value adds for a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Some type yeah. of conference or summit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, tell me more about uh Webflow conf. That's like right around the corner, right? Next week. Yeah. Speaking of conferences, <laughs> that is next <laughs> week, man. Uh, so Today's Thursday. I will be flying out on Monday uh, and we'll be there most of the week flying back very early Friday morning. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Super excited for it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it's wild that the last time they did it was 2019. So much has changed since oh, then. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, both for me personally, for Webflow, for, for no code, for, uh, for so many things. So yeah, excited to, I mean, mostly just excited to go and, and see people that I met the first time around uh, or people that I've met virtually or or on Twitter. Uh, that's that's by far going to be the most fun part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a lot of work preparing for it. Um, <laughs> this is where I get into the segment that feels like all, all of our latest episodes where I'm like, some things I can talk about, some things I can't, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which, which makes for, segment. yeah, it makes for great content. Um, yeah, e- even on the, uh, if you go to the Webflow conference agenda website and look at the in-person sessions, they have a session with me and this other guy, Nick, and it just says top secret session, uh, <laughs> which, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a, I gotta find that. That's funny. Yeah. We'll link to it here in the show notes. I found it. Yeah. I tweeted about it too. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. So So you've got like the most hyped session then of the whole conference probably. I think there's one other top secret one, uh, which now of course I don't, I don't know what that one is and I'm, I'm super curious (laughs) to hear what it's going to be. You only know one of the secrets. Yeah. But yeah, so we've been working a lot on, uh, we, we've been producing a bunch of new marketing assets, uh, images, copy, various things that are going to be used in, in some new places. 
uh, which is exciting. But yeah, that was part of the the deadline that we had was just like getting all that finalized. And yeah, it was like, it always ends up being like 10 times more work than, than you think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot with like, well, yeah, you tell me how much you can say about like marketing assets and features or like what, what's all kind of encompassed and like the things that you need to, to do to make the deadline. Yeah. Uh, mostly it's been more on the asset side. Um, not, not so much on the, the feature side. Uh, I mean, it, it's funny the, at some point we really need to do an update to our like homepage. Um, it's, it's now a few years old. <laughs> some of the copy needs to be updated, but mm-hmm. I, I was writing some new copy for the first time in a while. And man, I always forget like how difficult it is and, and how long it takes me to like, first of all, I'm just sitting there staring at the blank page and then trying to pull bits and pieces from things I've written before. And mm-hmm. then finally at some point I have like a first version and it's okay, but I don't love it. And then, you know, it's like 24 hours before the deadline and all of a sudden like, <laughs> I finally just like get in the flow state, rewrite everything that I, that I'd originally wrote and written. And, um, you know, then I actually end up liking it, but it's like, you have to go through this like journey and struggle to get to yeah, the final right. end result uh, that, that always happens to me with like copywriting. Mm-hmm. It's a windy journey for sure. Yeah. They're like, hmm, let's go in this direction. Okay. This is interesting. No, let's go over here instead and see what this is like. Oh, this seems promising. Oops, it's a dead end. Reverse. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, go this other way. Totally. Yeah. So, like you said, was super glad to uh, get that finished and and move past that um, and see how it is received when when we get to that point soon. Um, And yeah, the the other fun thing for WebflowConf is we. Our, we, we had shirts designed and we're going to have uh, official JetBoost merchandise for the first time ever. Um, <laughs> so going to give some of that away. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. How can I get my hands on one? I want to, I want to rep. I, I know. Yeah. I'll have to uh, get one, get one shipped to you for sure. That'd be fun. Yeah. I love yeah. that. You're going to bring a bunch to WebflowConf, I'm assuming. Yeah. We're actually, we used a local shop there. Um, so we're going to pick them up in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Uh, once, once we get there. Yeah. Yeah. So excited for that and just going to be hanging out with, uh, Noah's coming too. So that'll be fun. And, yeah. um, just, uh, yeah, just enjoy it. That's rad. Man. Yeah. Um, it starts Tuesday, right? November 8th. Uh, it's when Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday? and Thursday. Okay. Uh, I have to be there Tuesday for like a little like rehearsal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, should be, should be good. It's wild. Yeah. Right after the election too. That'll be interesting. Interesting time. Oh yeah. I mean, that is true. Midterms, not a huge, huge deal, but, uh, I was like, I was like, wait, Tuesday, like Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday, election Tuesday. Yeah. That's good. Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah, man, last time was 2019. I can't believe that was the last like live WebflowConf because they canceled twice or once. 
Yeah, so canceled 2020 and then 2021, the, the virtual thing I mentioned earlier, that was kind of what they did in place of uh, the Webflow yeah, conference. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Man, super rad. I'm, uh, I'm kind of jealous. Like, man, maybe I should have gone. Probably <laughs> wouldn't have worked out. We were actually planning on being in Europe this week. Um, we also rescheduled that because of mm. my wife not wanting to be away if anything were to happen. Yeah. And not wanting to take pictures, which is very understandable. Um, so we scheduled that for April, but yeah, I was like, oh wait, we weren't even planning on being here. So <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I will say the one thing that's going to be interesting is, uh, it's going to be like the longest I've been away from home since having kids. Uh, yeah, so, that's right, man. You know, there's, there's going to be kind of that, like, I'm sure it'll be fine, but the background stress of like, you know, how are things going at home? Uh, <laughs> my wife with, with mm-hmm. the two young babies, like, you know, and she, and she stays with yeah. them during the day, but it's like, it's tough to do night and then morning and then day and then repeat for several days in a row. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be thinking about them a lot, but should be fine. Yeah. I probably a little bittersweet getting some, some time away, some time alone, but also being away yeah. and the worry and reports back home but yeah yeah, it's kind of wild huh yeah and i'm sure i'm gonna miss them like crazy so uh it's just how it goes (laughs) yeah how it goes yeah um in in swipe well land a couple of fun updates um through all this kind of drama derailed some of the progress on more like the marketing side of things what i wanted to get done we've been working on this kind of like co-marketing content idea of doing uh, a whole kind of sprint of guest posts and guest new- newsletters and video workshops and co-authored tweet storms and stuff like that with a bunch of people. And that's coming along, but it was kind of derailed for like two weeks, I would say. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, Connor has been cranking away as usual and uh, we shipped our Android app and today our iOS app, which is super exciting. Oh, wow. Um, so he went through a whole thing. He'll probably have to write about it someday, but he was going to basically, he had like this idea for creating like the full mobile app experience uh, using the certain method. And then it turned out there are kind of some dead ends with that way of doing things. So then kind of started from scratch. Now we have like a very limited version where it's just kind of bridging, you know, piping, okay, save this to my swipe file, goes to your swipe account. But you can't like view any of your swipes mm-hmm. from there or really do a lot of like organization uh, directly from the apps, mainly kind of surface level, basic, you know, title tags, notes, stuff like that. Um, collections. Uh, but now they work and we had a couple of obstacles to overcome with the Android play store and with Apple's app store, which are both have all their nuances and are picky in certain ways, but, um, those are live, which is really cool. Uh, cause I think that's one of like the really big use cases that, we've been hearing a lot more often and that we're hoping will create a lot more usage. Like people have no excuse. You know, I do a lot of swiping on my, on my phone too. And it's a pain, you know, airdropping to my computer and having to keep up with that and the bulk organize. It's much, much better to do it in flow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Super fun. Um, again, just cranked away. I think it probably took about two months start to finish. Maybe I want to say you started breaking ground and like, 
uh, maybe it was like August. So maybe like three months of work. So yeah, a lot kind of culminating in, in this launch now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's super fast. And I'm sure about a month of that was just uh, finagling with the, the two stores. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I've worked for a couple different companies in the past where we did mobile apps and that was always oh, like yeah. such a huge pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we got rejected from the Apple app store like five times or something like that. <laughs> and the yep. Android app store, maybe only a couple, but, uh, yeah, very, very picky. And, um, we're going to have to kind of dance around some policies a little bit. I won't really say what, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a whole new world, really like the mobile app world. So mm-hmm. we're just getting started. This is my first experience with marketing a mobile app and, or having a, a, a product, an app with a mobile app as a part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. That'll be a fun learning experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get to know the world of, uh, app store optimization, ASO. Oh, yeah. And it's a brand new kind of world for me. So that'll be fun to kind of get my hands on that. I'm actually really excited for that. We kind of dove into it a little bit with like the Chrome store and Chrome extension, but you know, the app store and Android store, just like on a whole other level. There was, I can't remember the product now, a couple of years back, I want to say maybe, maybe it was Travis from Repod who showed me this. There's, there's basically like an Ahrefs for the app store. Oh you know yeah. I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know what it's called, but yeah, definitely heard of it. Yeah. I had no idea that existed until I, I think it was him who, who showed me it. And that kind of blew my mind that somehow mm-hmm. they're figuring all that out from like Apple's, you know, proprietary store. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be like a huge acquisition channel. Um, but there's still like a lot of nuance to like, Oh, onboarding, you know, mobile users or like, what if someone does find us from, from an app store first? And that's kind of like their primary use case. Mm, mm-hmm. Are there things we're not thinking of that we, we can leverage from the app store that we're not thinking of that would make it an acquisition channel, things like that, that yeah, just brand new territory. Totally. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it felt good. Uh, we also had, well, we'll see if the streak continues, but we've had four straight days of new customers for Swipewell. So that's been really motivating. Whoa. And it was after a kind of a drought, to be honest, um, which we can't really change or like do anything about it really. But it was like, ah, oh, only like a couple customers over a couple of weeks. There was like a couple of our first cancellations too. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of feeling like, man, this sucks. And then now we've had four <laughs> consecutive days of new customers, hopefully five today. Um, so it's the, you know, the SAS roller coaster, yeah. it's just the emotional <laughs> roller coaster ride. It always, uh, cracks me up and, and gives me relief as well. When I hear, uh, Brian Castle on, on bootstrap web talk about like yeah, yeah. his despair when, you know, for, for zip message, if it's been a couple of days and, and he hasn't had a new customer cause he's been mm-hmm. in the game for like 10 plus years, I think. Right. Uh, it never goes away. Like, never goes away. Okay, good. <laughs> yep. It's not just me. <laughs> Get used to it. Yeah. Strap in. Yeah. So that's been fun. That's been motivating. Um, yeah, that's, that's always exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Like overall still feeling pretty good about our direction. I just feel like we're, we're at the bottom of the hill pushing the boulder up. And so we have a ways to go, but like, this is the hardest kind of point right now, the hardest point of leverage kind of building that momentum. Um, but like we got some pages kind of breaking onto the second page of Google for keywords, um, getting more users, 
but kind of ramping things up on like we're getting like a monthly kind of product newsletter going for swipe well and these co-marketing efforts and uh building backlinks still anticipating a link from hubspot <laughs> which hopefully will unlock some things for us nice just building the you know domain authority and backlink profile overall so yeah um chipping away making some progress that hopefully we'll have some kind of breakthroughs within the next couple months cool yeah um what else is new on your front uh so one other thing working on the JetBoost side is and it's it's <laughs> it's it's quite a big change uh, basically going to be testing a new pricing model yeah uh, wow yeah so i kind of regret the current pricing model uh mainly because of how complex it is mm. and with the way that JetBoost was sort of like organically built where it started with like one very like narrow feature and then added a second narrow feature and then a third and then eventually became kind of the product that it is today. That resulted in originally every single add-on was a different subscription plan and you could have multiple subscriptions as a customer. So you're like, oh, I want to use search, I want to use filters you'd have two JetBoost subscriptions. Which was initially good for like expansion revenue, but that's not really the way obviously most SaaS companies work. And it gets very complicated with Stripe when you start looking at, uh, you know, upgrades and and downgrades, uh, particularly once we introduce bundles where now you go from say Mm -hmm. having three subscriptions to just one. Um, Yeah. So a lot of custom logic there and, and just, it's been a pain. Uh, there's there's some things we can't do that we'd like to be able to do. And so for probably two years now, I've been thinking, how can we simplify this? How can we uh, make things more clear for customers? And the other piece that's driving the pricing model change is we just keep landing more and more larger customers. Uh hmm higher traffic websites, uh, bigger companies. And it, it seems, it doesn't feel right that, you know, giant company X who is doing hundreds of thousands, you know, of, of page views a month, uh, which uses obviously a certain amount of resources and whatnot on our side, uh, they have a lot more usage of the product than someone who is trying it out on uh, a new, you know, startup that they're launching, maybe built with no code tools. Uh, it's only got a few hundred visitors a month uh, and, and they're paying the same price. Yeah. Uh, right. So been thinking about how to better fit the profiles of each type of user with, um, with a plan that makes more sense for them. And uh, I think we've landed on something that feels pretty good. Uh, I, I spent probably days studying Webflow pricing, studying our own customers and usage and, and all this stuff to, to come up with it. Um, but yeah, essentially we're, we're going to be moving to just a simple standard like SAS, you know, multiple tiers, um, 
similar to the existing bundle plans where there will be like a core plan, which gets you our core products. There's going to be a premium plan, which is core plus the premium products that we offer. Hmm. Uh, and then there will be some higher tier plans for higher traffic websites. Uh, so we are going to be adding like a, a page views uh, limit on on the tiers as mm. well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot kind of wrapped in to yeah. this, big, <laughs> this big change. Yeah. And, and because the way our old pricing worked, so much of the logic for moving between plans was like had to be kind of custom built. Uh, it wasn't as simple as just say adding new plans in Stripe. It's adding new plans in Stripe and then reworking how all of our billing stuff works while still supporting the old version as well. Um, so the one exciting thing is the new version will be on like the Stripe hosted checkout and the Stripe customer portal, which is oh, yeah. uh, sh- uh, just like insanely faster <laughs> to, to get working <laughs> than, uh, you know, if that had existed at the time that, that I started JetBoost, would have just went with that. Um, yeah. But hoping to, I mean, we're, we're going to test it out. We're going to see how it goes. Um, haven't decided how long to test it yet. I, I need to, I, I want to get like our current conversion numbers after 30, 60, 90 days and, and probably just compare towards that. Um, but if it seems to go well, then eventually try to move everyone to the new pricing model. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you already kind of modeled like what it would look like if everyone was on the new pricing? Yes. And it's good. It's better than it is now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So the big thing you're just looking for is like, how does this affect kind of new customer conversions? Yeah. Yep. That's cool, man. That's really exciting. Um, Never easy. Pricing is very delicate. Um, yeah. It's exciting, but. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and then, you know, today I'm, I'm looking at like some of the, what feels like some of the macro headwinds, you know, stripes laying off. I can't mm. remember the exact number now. 14%. Or 14%. Yeah. yeah. Lyft just did a similar layoff 13% today. Uh, and I'm like, is this the right time to be a <laughs> messing around with pricing and, and making big changes or uh, should we just be sitting back and, and waiting to see what happens? But I don't know. Been I mean, it's not like it just, while. it's not like it's the same pricing model and you just doubled the price. Right. It's like a fundamentally new pricing model. So I don't think there's anything wrong. Yeah. With that. That, that's kind of how I feel about it too. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I mean, I think that the, there's a certain segment of startups and just businesses in general, they're going to be more affected by, macroeconomic changes more than others and those being the like blitz scaling kind of go big startups and like the big tech companies mm-hmm. everyone else i feel like i don't know is there really gonna be that much change probably not they're probably thinking the same thing as you is like who else is going to be affected by this but like i don't really feel the effects but like who else is kind of all looking around you know but yeah. Probably just a handful, like the the Stripes and the Googles and the Facebooks and the, uh, li- I don't know, lifts of the world, right? It's like the biggest startups or, right. you know, startups that are have recently IPO'd. 
Yeah. Yeah, so that should be going out soon and uh, have some some updates in, in future episodes on how it goes. Awesome. I love that. What, actually, one thing we're thinking about for Swipeable, I don't know if you've encountered this whole pricing change thing, is um, pretty soon we're going to be building in like team functionality, and we'll need to account for that in the billing as well in having basically like the ability for someone to maintain a personal account that can be kind of rolled into a team account and for the billing to kind of be transferred to the team rather than like it always be on them or, you know, basically have like that kind of team versus personal, but have like the flexibility in the billing, especially to like easily move between one or the other. Um, so that's something we're going to need to kind of dive into pretty soon. Yeah. And that can get pretty complicated. Yeah. We've been trying to look at like what other things are kind of like this. Um, I had a list somewhere, but I know like notion is kind of like this. Um, Savvy Cal actually is a similar dynamic. So that's been, that's been a good resource to pull from. Um, a lot of like the big kind of like collaborative tools. Um, I want to say like Trello is one. Um, I don't know. Anyways, like, yeah, there's a lot of nuance between personal and team. Cause like one of the things I really want to make sure that we do from the beginning is just that like your swipe file is your swipe file. So whatever swipe file account you have, like planning using that forever, you can move between accounts or team accounts and you can be like, if you're doing consulting, you can kind of like flexibly kind of dive in and out of different, uh, like other swipe files that you can add, but like you should be able to take that with you forever. And so mm-hmm. we don't never want that to be kind of messed with <laughs> and be like, Oh, this like now I, I don't have access or like ownership over my own. If I were to be cut from a project unexpectedly, for example, like you should always have full control over that. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, one other update on, on my end is uh, just preparing for 2023 sponsors. Um, it's kind of interesting because as the newsletter has grown, there's kind of like more and more emphasis and like energy for me working on the newsletter. And um, especially like the the sponsorships, like that could really drastically out- outpace the membership revenue mm-hmm. for the, the, the coming year. So it kind of has me thinking about like, oh, like, you know, what do I do about that? Or is there something to be done? But um, yeah, anyway, like the, the short-term thing is like, I need to lock in sponsors before the end of the year. So that I have them for all of 2023, kind of building that deck now based on the one that I had for last year. And then I'm going to be going through like a renewal conversation with each of the current sponsors. It's kind of like a first look and then reaching out to others to kind of fill other spots that I need, or I might even be opening up like additional spots. So there could be a world where uh, all the current sponsors come back and then I add a couple more, but um, yeah, it's kind of an exciting time too. Like, yeah, kind of stoked to see what happens. I mean, especially since you can project like a hundred thousand newsletter subscribers next year. So <laughs> you can, you can make a really good pitch to, to all the sponsors. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's your your the, current growth rate. Yeah. The, the way that I've been pitching it has been, um, you basically lock in the price 
right now for what the newsletter is now, but then you kind of reap the benefits as the newsletter grows throughout the rest of the year, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you kind of pay, pay like a premium upfront, but just knowing that like it's going to be offset over time as the newsletter grows. And so you get, you know, your economics kind of get better over time. Um, so I'm like projecting by the end of the year to be somewhere around like 15,000 subscribers. So that's kind of what I'll be like billing against, but I have no idea where I would land by the end of 2023, assuming right. everything kind of stays the same throughout the, uh, stays the same from how it is now. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's good. I'm learning some things, added a couple new slides to the deck about like, here's who the readers are. Here's where here's like some logos represented of the readership. Um, different stats around like open rates, click rates, deliverability, you know, dynamic or this different dynamics about the newsletter itself, just about how it goes out every three days. It's, um, double opt in. Every email is confirmed. Um, you know, the list is clean, stuff like that. Just kind of like bulking it up a little bit more based on some uh, questions from last year. Nice. Yeah. It's awesome. It's pretty much it on my end. Um, you want to talk about what everyone else is talking about right now? Oh my gosh, this is all I want to talk about. Now that we got past all of that, this is all I want to talk about. Oh man, dude, it's pretty wild. Uh, I've had a lot of fun doing the profile pictures um, through the AI generated stuff. Yeah, it's it's wild. Like, it almost is is too good. Where I was like thinking about showing my wife, and then I was like, I don't know if she would get it because. <laughs> It just, it looks so much like me yeah. that it's too good. You know what I mean? Yeah. She'd be like, oh, well, it just it looks like you. Of course it does. But like, that's the crazy part about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just to take a step back, like we last recorded a month ago and I feel like so yeah, much right. has changed in that month. Seriously. Like this AI space is moving so freaking fast and yeah. it's. It's, I haven't been this excited about something as far as, you know, like this type of like technology or whatever in a long time. Uh, Cause like, man, I've been suffering for the last six years <laughs> through crypto and ICOs mm. and web three yeah, yeah. and NFTs. Like I, I haven't been able to get on board. This feels like an actual game changing technology in so mm. many areas. Uh, yeah. The, the, the avatar stuff is mind blowing. Um, uh, GitHub Copilot is absolutely insane to me. Uh, hmm. I, I yeah. use it. I can't believe I waited so long to start using it. It, it makes really? me five to 10 times faster. It's just like the things it's able to do continually blow me away in both like I would say like in, in large pieces where, you know, you're, you're about to write out a function that does something and it can say complete 90 to hundred percent of that for you, uh, hmm. uh, on some occasions versus even just like micro, all these little like micro paper cuts I didn't realize I was facing it just solves. So, hmm. you know, uh, there's, there's just so many, libraries that you work with nowadays, so many APIs and it, 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 
has the ability to, instead of me going, oh, what's the syntax for this function again? And now I got to go look it up. It's just like, oh, I'll just start typing that function and it's going to uh, tell me. <laughs> like, like, right, right. I want to say guess, but it's not guessing. It just it, hmm. it just knows from all of the code that it's been trained on. It's it's absolutely wild. So is it is it mainly like a kind of autocomplete thing or is it also kind of predicting like what you're trying to write and then both um, okay so it's like it's not like you're like starting every kind of line of code and that's kind of finishing it it's also like oh here's all these things that you may not have even thought about yet or wouldn't have you know like how much is it kind of autocomplete versus like net new code that you wouldn't have done so it's it's more like autocomplete so every time you're typing it's suggesting what's next um sort of sort of like you know in vs code and and some of the other tools like they've had some autocomplete for a while but this is just like autocomplete on steroids hmm. uh but it it continues to surprise me uh in other areas as well so say like working on the the new pricing model and writing out some of the uh you know, just like your standard, like build, building a pricing table and you've got your different features and whatnot uh, and writing out a little descriptions and stuff about them. And even when you're writing text like that, it, then it, it almost like turns into more of like a, a GPT-3 like AI writer where it's oh. it's actually like writing text for you that it thinks you should write. And, <laughs> oh, and sometimes I'm like, oh, this is like actually pretty decent too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's pretty wild. I... um. Yeah, the, the copilot looks really cool. I have no idea how that works. Or, you know, I can kind of imagine some ways that that would be useful. But it's also just weird. Like, it's a whole new paradigm working with, like, an AI assistant than by mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. And that feels like one of those things where it's like once you have it and it works, you never want to be without it again. Right. Yeah, it's like it's almost made programming, like, more fun for me again. Hmm. Yeah, wow. Um, you know what? I was th what I've been thinking about with a lot of them is, it's so interesting because a lot of the like underlying technology is all the same. Everyone's just kind of like throwing a a UI over an API, basically, um, and they're pulling from like OpenAI or, you know, I think Stable Diffusion is basically like a fork of OpenAI, but then like open sourced it and stuff. Um, and then there's like different kind of training models that you can. Uh, that you can use in kind of plugins almost, right? That are like a little bit more nuanced for different things you're trying to do. And I was thinking about it, so I was like, what, what, what makes you have like a differentiated product if you're, if you're one of these companies building on top of uh, a commoditized, um, you know, platform, essentially, if you just called like OpenAI a platform, for example. And I, f I feel like a lot of it comes down to the training models and just like the data available, which is why I feel like Copilot is just going to be like a monopoly and never displaced mm -hmm. because like they literally have all of the training material in the world with GitHub repositories, right? And like literally, I mean, maybe someone comes up with something that like is directly, you know, adjacent to like a code editor I don't know, but it's like, where, where does the code live? 
and how do you get all that data in? And that's why, I don't know, it almost feels like, uh, like Dolly and Jasper, like whatever has like the, the, the biggest adoption at the moment becomes like the, the self-fulfilling prophecy because as they become successful, they become more successful because they get more people to get better results. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I think you have to differentiate between like the actual AI data companies and what I would consider almost more of just like the front end UIs. Uh, so yeah, right. Something like Dolly, which is owned by OpenAI, they own the data model. They're constantly putting out new data models. I, th- I think there's been four or five versions now of the the image generator. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they are consuming. It's basically like you said, it's this never-ending feedback loop, and it's getting better and better all the time. Uh, I struggle to understand the long-term value of some of the other companies where they, and I think Jasper is one of these, where, where basically they're building on top of the, the OpenAI APIs, mm-hmm. but they're using, anyone else can build on top of those and say, here's, you know, here's your writing editor um, right. that's, that's AI-assisted. Right. That, that's what I wonder about because... Uh, you know, for example, there's this new one that kind of just came out from the team uh, behind every called Lex mm-hmm. and everyone's like in love with it. And they do some things like a little bit different. Like they kind of have this autocomplete thing with like three plus symbols and the writing has been really good so far. People really like it. And I think it's because of the training model. My suspicion is that they run, they've run like all their past writing through it and they're all really exceptional writers. And that's what kind of gets them this like really mm-hmm. professional writing with good kind of vocabulary and grammar and sentence structure. Um, it's like this aspirational writing almost. It's like, Oh, that I want to write like them, which is good writing. So if you just train the AI to kind of model after that, then you make everyone sound like an every writer. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and that's why I think about like Jasper too, because they have so many users and so many customers that they have more data to train the model, which then makes for a better customer experience, which then attracts more customers. You know what I mean? Um, but I also struggle with that too. Like there's definitely a big difference. The, it feels like there's a, a very clear, like there's the, the gold miners and then there's the people selling the pickaxes to the gold miners <laughs> and the people selling the pickaxes, like the open AI and, um, uh, probably like GitHub, Microsoft's other world are like going to be the clear winners at the end of the day because everyone else is just kind of going to be like a race to the bottom almost. Yeah. I I do think what you're saying is true though. And why we're seeing these companies raise so much money so quickly is because VCs are, are seeing that, Oh, this is a, you capture the early users and then the, you basically snowball an avalanche from there where, yeah. You you end up with a better data model and then you capture more users and you end up with a better data model and it repeats and there's there's almost no way to overcome that. Right. I did see something interesting though that um I want to say I saw that OpenAI was doing like 10 or 15 dollars 10 or 15 million dollars in revenue and Jasper was doing like 40. Mhm. I was like, "What?" I saw that too. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense, but it just feels like OpenAI is not 
capturing as much of the like value in the market as they should be. Um, which maybe is like very intentional and they can kind of like scale that up once they've monopolized essentially. Um, but yeah, it's probably like, you know, Jasper probably is probably in those situation where since they're providing the user interface, they can charge more for it, but then they don't have as much like user lock-in because then someone else might come with a better user interface and OpenAI never has to worry about that. They're just sort of the, they're just selling the pickaxe. Yeah. I would bet OpenAI tries to put off or reduce monetization as long as possible. I mean, obviously they charge for mm-hmm. it, but um, for them, it's it seems like it's all about usage. The more people that get using it, the better it is for them in the long run. Right, right. Yeah, it's the same thing for, um, I forget which one that they're using. I want to say it was like Dream something, but, uh, you know, Peter Levels and Danny Postma are like duking it out right now with their like profile picture generator. And as far as I can tell, they're basically the exact same thing using the exact same technology Mm -hmm. with slightly different user interface and different pricing and like some different offerings where they can kind of like train the model to give you different results. Like one might give you a picture of a suit. One might give you a picture in space, you know, or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I just wonder like how, like what, what is that? What happens in two years from now? You know what I mean? Or like, where, where does this go? Cause that just feels like, man, they're so similar. Is it a race to the bottom? Um, who gets rich here? Is it the, the, the people that, cause I know that their costs are crazy also like their margins mm-hmm. are not super, super high. So do they kind of just like burn out and evangelize the idea and then someone else comes and eats their lunch later? Or is it something that's really sustainable and differentiated and they build a moat? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it could be one of those things where being the first mover is the big advantage and it, you know, you just capture market share and it becomes self-sustaining. But like you said, it, it could go the other way where that's actually a disadvantage and someone comes along and, and, you know, totally eats their lunch. So, yeah, that's probably not what you don't have to talk about anyways, though. Like the technology itself is, is wild. Um, like I can't believe how good the results are. I, it is interesting too. like just the data in matters so much. So the first time that I use profile picture AI, which is Danny's product, I uploaded 10 pictures and some of them had like similar backgrounds or different similar angles on my face. And, um, and I can kind of see that like some of the pictures are really good, but they mostly look the same. And some of the backgrounds were like a little bit wonky. And then the next time I uploaded 25 and there were like through like a five year span where I had different haircuts and different beard lengths and shapes and different weights <laughs> and, <laughs> Uh, different angles for my face, different qualities of picture. And that produced like 10 times better results. Like the, just like way, way better. Um, it's the exact same thing with like prompt writing too. You know, it's like the more thorough and detailed you can make your prompt, the better image you're going to generate or the better your prompt for a blog post, the better blog post you're going to get. So there, there's like a, a real skill and talent for, getting the right data to the AI 
Yeah. No, there totally is. When I first started playing around with Dolly, uh, and what was the other one? Uh, mid journey. Uh, Noah oh, yeah. was showing me that one and it immediately struck me how like me, a non-designer, non-photographer, non-artistic person is using this, this tool. And I'm still blown away because like it can come up, like I could never come up with these images myself. Uh, and it's, it's basically pulling them out of my head in, in, in a sense, but then to watch Noah use one of these tools, someone who is a designer who oh. has more of an artistic background who, you know, knows photography and stuff and the prompts he's like, he's writing things I would never even think of like aspect ratio mm. and, uh, mm. you know, like I can't remember the term art station style or, you know, all, all these things, right. um, lighting and, and framing and everything and, and coming up with just like way better images. Uh, mm-hmm. and so it's like, yeah, it is, it, it's not just this like, magic wand like it is still a skill uh it takes skill and um experience and whatnot to really craft uh they're just they're all just tools at the end of the day right right yeah you know what's crazy is my my cousin um who's like not in the world of tech whatsoever somehow discovered dolly and he loves writing and poetry and so he had written a couple of like horror stories and um he had always wanted to like package them into a book and then he discovered Dolly and like the big thing holding him back was like the, the book cover art. Mm. And he was, so he started like plugging in things, you know, related to like the short stories and kind of the whole vibe that he was looking for generated something that he was like really stoked about. And that was like, all right, I want to publish a book. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the thing that like got him over the line to, to actually finish it and publish it. And so he just sent me the link the other day and was like, Hey, I published a book. And I was like, dude, where did you get this artwork? He's like, oh, I generated it using this thing called Dolly. It's like an AI art. I was like, dude, what? How did you? No way. What? But it's cool. Like that, that provided like a real value add to him instead of having to hire, you know, artist or just do something really lame or just sit on his hands forever and not publish a book. He was able to like within an like a couple of hours come up with something that was, he was really happy with. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's, it's kind of been my experiences as well as a lot of these tools. Like started out just playing around with them as toys, uh, you know, and and having fun. And I find there's, there's a number that we're using like actually in like at JetBoost in our, in our workflows. Uh, Hmm. so like Dolly, for instance, when we were working on the, the assets um, that we were putting together a few weeks ago. One of the things we we're showing was like a, just like a demo of a like e-commerce store. Like, okay, we want, you know, you're kind of like e-commerce product cards and they've got price and name and okay, we need images. And we were trying to find like good stock images and stuff, but we wanted like a, we were doing sneakers and we wanted like a certain color and a certain look and then i was like let's just throw it in dolly and like see what we can come up with yeah and uh yeah and so we did that and then all of a sudden we're like generating all these different images like the the colors that we're looking for and stuff and uh, that's cool we ultimately didn't use one of those but it was it's they're like idea generation machines right now where it's Mm -hmm. like oh okay this is what we need to go find 
yeah. um, and, and, yeah. and then we did and trying out some of the writing tools. Like that's been my experience as well, where it's not at the point where it's going to just like write an article for you, but it certainly solves a problem of staring at a blank page or, mm-hmm. um, you know, Getting not knowing somewhere. what to, to, yeah, exactly. And then just using that to iterate over and over and, and, and it just gives you ideas. Yeah. Right. I've been trying to think of use cases for like little microsites and engineers marketing for Swipewell. And I had this idea for like a AI ad generator or like a billboard generator where you can sort of like come up with ad creative or just like kind of fun ideas. There's that interesting, like the big thing we ran up against was it's hard to match um, text and images mm-hmm. and like overlay them together as kind of like a single thing. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do like an ad or a billboard, that's kind of actually what makes an ad unique, which I didn't really realize until then was like, oh yeah, it's ad or it's, it's an image and text together, like in the same plane, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's something that's still pretty far off, I think, with uh, with AI stuff. But like for copywriting prompts, maybe there's a world where it kind of like writes the prompts for you mm. um, or at least gives you ideas, you know, using GDB3 or something like that. Um, or maybe there are other kind of ad creative generator things like maybe, you know, making vintage ads or something within a certain style using celebrities. I don't know. Celebrities holding a product things like that where I'm like, ah, oh, there's gotta be something here. <laughs> yeah. I just don't have like the time or, or mind space to really think through some solid ideas. I know. Yeah. I honestly, I've, I've been thinking about that for jet boost. Like, is there a use case or something that we can build in and really add value? Uh, especially cause like we do have, I mean, it's not big data by any means, but <laughs> we do have some data. Um, and I don't know. I've, I've, I've come up with a few things, but nothing that's, that's really good yet. So hmm. yeah, so, it's pretty well. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see where it goes. It feels like all this stuff is going to require a lot more computing power. So maybe that's kind of like the final, you know, the, the real use case for something like web three and decentralized machines and computing power and stuff like that. Um, but also just like GPUs and chips and like the hardware manufacturing side of things <laughs> it was like we need to do a lot more of that and especially given the kind of state of world and supply chain of where all the stuff stuff comes from i know there's been a lot of shortages recently and it feels like oh yeah we're now we're gonna make it worse like we should really figure this out yeah yeah that'll be interesting i also think too people talk a lot about these uh, replacing jobs. Uh, mm. I don't really agree with that. So I, I have no, no stats or data to back this up, but i I feel like in general, the world is trending towards, uh, at least in tech, you need smaller and smaller teams to do what you needed five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. You don't need a database administrator anymore. You don't need a server uh, team to go build your servers for you. And I feel like this is another acceleration of that, where if it's you with your AI co-programmer and you can now do the work of four or five other developers, 
I don't think that means four or five developers are out of a job. I think that means there's going to be four or five times as many software companies. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's just going to be smaller teams doing more and we're going to get better tools. We're going to have, uh, just better, better products. And, and it's going to be, I think, super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, whenever I hear about people losing jobs, I get stoked because I'm like, Oh, this is a really cool piece of technology that's going to open up a lot more jobs, probably more than what people are even losing. But it's always, it's like, it's been this way for the history of time. You know, it's like, Oh no. Um, people are going to lose their jobs, like planting seeds in the ground to like an ox with a, like towing something behind it. Like what, who wants to do that anyways? You know, we're going to think back <laughs> on some of this stuff. It's like, who wants to administer a database? Who wants to, you know, fill in the blank? Um, even like driving, self-driving cars or, um, taking orders at restaurant or uh, not restaurants, taking orders at, um, you know, grocery stores. Like we're talking about AI. I feel like it's just these really, kind of like the the next frontier of just where technology is headed and I'll bucket those all together and like these are net positive good things that make us all more productive and efficient and let us do more creative work at the end of the day exactly yeah yeah I just I think it's like such an exciting time right now and it's gonna be crazy to see where where things end up in a few years yeah Oh man, stuff comes and goes. I feel like there's like the, there's always like two kind of trends per year, and it's always surprising every single time. And uh, yeah, this is a big one, man. It's, yeah, here to stay. Yeah, and <laughs> to to tie it all back to Weblo Conference and and talking about trends, that's one interesting thing too. Is like 2019, end of 2019, and early 2020 it was like no code was the hot trend. Yeah, and it, right. it was, I mean, it's, it's funny looking back on it, how many like drive by VCs would reach out to me and be like, Oh, you're working on this no code thing. Like we're, we're yeah. super interested in that space. And then it got like real silent for a while. Uh, you know, not that that was doing anything differently. It was just, that wasn't the hot air anymore. Suddenly it was crypto and it was web three and, mm-hmm. um, and now you just like, you can just see the, the frenzy over AI right now. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. It's fun. But, uh, shall we wrap it? Yeah. All right. Sweet. Well, it's good to catch up, man. Uh, we'll have all as many links and mentions in the show notes as we can remember. Um, we'll be back to our regular programming and scheduling as far as, as far as we know. <laughs> and we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>